Chapter 18 of The Web of the Golden Spider. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Roger Moline. The Web of the Golden Spider by Frederick Oren Bartlett. Chapter 18 Blind Alleys. For a moment he stood there staring, wondering if it could be only a dream that he had held her in his arms that he had brought her up here, that she had lain upon this white bed which now mocked him with its emptiness. Then he took a step into the room, where he saw still the imprint of her head upon the pillow. He turned at this and ran into the hall, shouting her name. He was down the stairs in three bounds. The couch where he had left Sorez was also empty. The guard at the front door would not believe when told but the proof lay in the absence of the guard in the rear. This door opened upon a small garden surrounded by a low wall. A gate led from this into a narrow street in the rear. If they were gone far, they must have left in a carriage, for neither of them was strong enough to walk. With a feeling of more bitter hatred than he had ever felt against any man, he realized that Sorez must have been in part shamming. That he was weak and exhausted there could be no doubt, but it was equally clear now that he was by no means so weak as he had led Wilson to believe. Not even Stubbs could have drawn Wilson from the house, had he suspected Sorez of being able to move from that couch within twelve hours. Wilson blamed himself for stupidity, for carelessness, for almost criminal negligence in thus leaving the girl and yet one might as soon reckon on the dead coming to life as for this denouement. It was clear that he was dealing with no ordinary man, but he should have known this after the display of nerve he had witnessed as Sorez had climbed the stairs in his own house. He was a man with an iron will, with the ability to focus whatever energy remained within him upon a single objective. Through this Wilson gained a ray of hope, even if he found it impossible to locate him before, he knew that Sorez would press on to the lake of Guadiva. No power, no force less than death would serve to prevent him. Sooner or later Wilson would meet his man there. The present pity of it was that with the information he possessed, the secret of the parchment, he might possibly have prevented this journey and saved the girl much hardship. So his brain reasoned, but back of this was the throbbing ache that would not listen to reason. He wanted her again within his arms. He wanted again to look into her dark eyes, to feel again the warmth of her breath against his neck. He wanted, too, the sense of protecting and caring for her. He had meant to do so much, to find a comfortable lodging place for her until he could take her back to forage food and clothing for her. A hundred things unsaid whirled about in his brain. A hundred plans unfulfilled mocked him. A hundred needs unsatisfied. For a few precious moments he had held her in his arms. A few moments when he craved years, and then he had lost her. Perhaps there was still a chance. His own head was too confused to form a plan at present. 
he determined to return to the palace and seek Stubbs. With the aid of two of Otaballo's lieutenants, he was able to locate Stubbs, who was assisting the general in an attempt to bring the mercenaries into some sort of order. These men finally worn out, he had succeeded in enticing into one of the big rooms where he had calmly turned the lock upon them. Wilson greeted Stubbs with the single exclamation, "'They've gone again!' "'What? The girl?' "'Gone!' groaned Wilson. "'But within the hour. I want you to help me find them.' "'Like hunting for a loose dory in the dark, ain't it?' "'Yes, but you'd hunt even for your dory, wouldn't you?' "'Right, my boy, and I ain't suggesting that you change your course. Only these seas are unchartered for me. But how'd she get out of your hands once you had her?' "'Oh, I was a fool, Stubbs. I thought she would sleep until night, and so came over here to let you know where I was. That would have been all right if I hadn't stayed, but the queen came, and she told you about Danbury? Yes, nodded Stubbs, and I can't figure out whether it's right or wrong. At any rate, he's taken care of for a couple weeks. I found out she told the truth, and that the boat has gone. "'But about the girl, have you an idea where this pirate has taken her?' "'No more than you have.' "'He isn't a stranger here, is he? Probably has friends, eh?' "'That's so. I know he has. I saw some of his letters.' "'And who they are?' Wilson shook his head. "'I suppose we might find that out from the general.' He must know him, for the man was a surgeon or something in the armies here. Two hours passed before they were able to reach the general, and then they had but a word with him. The girl had done his bidding and was now crowned Queen of Carlina. Every loyal citizen of Bogova was out, anxious to hear himself hoarse before his neighbor. From the outlying districts the natives were pouring into the city as fast as they heard of the termination of hostilities. Otaballo had his hands full with prospect of more to do every hour. "'Everyone in Bogova knows Sorez,' he answered. "'If he had been in the city for the last year, I should know more of his possible whereabouts than I do. He was a surgeon in the Republican armies here.' but he took no active interest in the Republic. How little his arrest proves. In fact, I think he stands in disfavor, owing to the trouble with the Hill men, which they think started with him. I've even heard him accused of having stolen the image. But I don't believe that, or I'd arrest him myself. As it is, I'd like to have a talk with him. I can't suggest where he is, but I'll give you a couple of men who know him and know the city to help you. Good, exclaimed Wilson. In the meanwhile, he said, turning to Stubbs, I'm depending on you to keep those men in order. If they only had their pay... They'll get it as soon as we can reach Danbury. It was you who sent him away, General. There was a note of resentment in Stubbs' voice. He had not at all approved of this act. "'I know, I know, 
but I saved his life by it. As soon as things settle down a bit, it will be safer for him. In the meanwhile, if we could get those men out of the city. To be frank, I'm afraid of them. Arlano might reach them, and he could buy them with a few pieces of gold. I'm not denying that, said Stubbs, unless you can give them more gold. As for myself, I can't promise you nothing. I've finished my cruise with the captain and done my best. If he was here, I'd stick by him still, but he ain't, and I've got other things in hand. Every mother's son of the crew will get their pay for their work so far, but further, I don't know. They done what they promised, took the city for you. Now, if you doesn't watch em, I reckon they'll take it for themselves. As much as they can get in their pockets, anyhow. I don't like that, answered the general darkly. If you'll look after them, I wash my hands of them from now on broke in Stubbs. Having other duties. Other duties here? asked Autobalo, instantly suspicious. The finding of this gent Sorez being one of them, answered Stubbs, and I guess we better be about it. It is for the sake of the girl, explained Wilson. The one you saw me bringing from the dungeon. Sorez kidnapped her from America and now he has taken her again. The general's face brightened. Ah, that is it. He summoned a lieutenant and held a brief whispered conversation with him. Gentlemen, he concluded, turning to Wilson, Lieutenant Ordaz, he will give you what assistance you need. And the same said Stubbs, in a whisper to Wilson, as soon as they were upon the street again, "'We'll proceed to lose. I didn't like the look in Otterbello's eye when he gave us this here traveling, mate.' It was an easy enough task for Stubbs. At the end of three or four blocks he instructed Wilson to detach himself and go back to the last public house they had passed, and there wait for him. This Wilson did, and in less than ten minutes Stubbs appeared alone. "'Sorry to part company with the gent, but with him we was more likely to find out a bellow than Sorez. Another thing, we has got to do some planning before we begins work. Cause if I ain't mistaken, we has a long chase ahead. In the first place, how much gold is you carrying?' "'Gold? Not a dollar.' I thought about that amount. Next place, is your paper safe? Wilson felt of his pocket where they were tightly pinned in. Couldn't lose those without losing my coat. Might lose your coat in this here city. Next, how about weapons? Wilson drew out the revolver which he had managed to keep through all the confusion. In addition to that, he had some fifty cartridges loose in his pocket. "'Good,' commented Stubbs. Then he took an inventory of his own resources. "'In the first place, I has some three hundred dollars in gold in this here leather belt about my waist. Never had less in it since a experience I had forty years ago. For weapons, we is about equal. Now, I figures this way. 
it will take us about a week to learn what we has got to learn about the coast beyond those hills afore we take chances on crossing them. We can get this information at the same time we is doing what we can to locate the girl, though I ain't reckoning on seeing her till we reaches the lake. We can pick up our outfit and our grub at the same time. Wilson broke in. I don't like the scheme, Stubbs. I want to get to work and find the girl before she gets over the hills. It's too hard a trip for her. It might kill her. She's weak now, but that brute won't care. If... Slow, slow, my son. Your blood is hot, but sometimes the short course is the longest. If we waste a week doing nothing but that, we wastes another, perhaps, after we had found they had started. If we makes ourselves sure of our course to the treasure, we make sure of our course to the girl. That is the only sure thing, and when you've got big things at stake, it's better to be sure than quick. I suppose you are right. Another thing, my son. According to my notions, this ain't going to be a particularly healthy place for Americans in a day or two. Now that they have bamboozled the queen, and she herself is as square a woman as ever lived, into getting Danbury out of the city, and now that the fight is won for him, and now that the boys we brought is about to raise hell, as they certainly is, Adabalo ain't going to be squeamish about removing quiet-like and safe everyone who bothers him. In three days we might not be able to get out long enough to get together an outfit or ask any questions. There's a whole lot about that map of yourn that we want to understand afore we starts, as I looks at it. There is some sense in that. It's a simple proposition. Does you want to gamble on losing both chances for the sake of saving a week, or does you want to make sure of one for the double treasure, gold and girl? I'd give every penny of the treasure to get the girl in my grip once again. You've got to get your treasure first before you can even do that. I know it. I'm powerless as things are. If there is a treasure there and we can get it, we'll have something to work with. If I had money now, I'd have fifty men in his track, and I'd post a hundred along the trail to the lake to intercept him. If you'd had the treasure, likely enough you wouldn't have started. But you ain't got it, and you's a long, long way from getting it. But if you don't divide your interests, we is going to get it, and after that we is going to get the girl, if she's anywhere atop the earth. I believe you, Stubbs, answered Wilson, with renewed enthusiasm. And I believe that with you we can do it. We'll make a bargain now. Share and share alike every cent we find. Give me your hand on it. Stubbs reached his big hand across the table, and the two men shook. Now, he said, we'll have a bite to eat and a mouthful to drink and begin work. During the next week they followed one faint clue after another, but none of them led to anything. Wilson managed to secure the names of many men who knew Sorez well and succeeded in finding some of them, but to no purpose. He visited every hotel and tavern in the city, 
all the railroad and steamship offices, but received not a word of information that was of any service. The two had disappeared as effectually as though they had dropped from the earth. At the advice of Stubbs, he kept out of sight as much as possible. The two had found a decent place to board and met here each night, again separating in the morning, each to pursue his own errands. Both men heard plenty of fresh stories concerning the treasure in the mountains. Rumors of this hidden gold had reached the grandfathers of the present generation and had since been handed down as fact. The story had been strongly enough believed to inspire several expeditions among the natives themselves within the last twenty years, and also among foreigners who traded here. But the information upon which they proceeded had always been of the vaguest, so that it had come to be looked upon as a fool's quest. The three hundred dollars was sufficient with careful buying to secure what the two men needed. Stubbs attended to all these details. They wished to make themselves as nearly as possible independent of the country, so that they could take any route which seemed to be advisable without the necessity of keeping near a base of supplies. So they purchased a large quantity of tinned goods, beef, condensed milk, and soup. Sugar, coffee, chocolate, flour, and salt made up the burden of the remainder. They also took a supply of cocoa leaves, which is a native stimulant enabling one to withstand the strain of incredible hardships. Each of them secured a good Winchester. They were able to procure what ammunition they needed. A good hunting knife completed the armament of each. For clothing they wore on their feet stout mountain shoes and carried a lighter pair in their kits. They had khaki suits and flannel shirts with wide Panama sombreros. At the last moment Stubbs thought to add two picks, a shovel, and a hundred feet or more of stout rope. Wilson had made a copy of the map with the directions, and each man wore it attached to a stout cord about his neck and beneath his clothing. It was in the early morning of August 21st that the two finally left Bogova with a train of six burros loaded with provisions and supplies for a three-month's camping trip and a native guide. End of chapter 18 Recording by Roger Moline